Caribbean Cricket Podcast with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news in the region. Usually, I'm in the company of my good friend, Joseph Reds Pereira, but Reds is in Guyana covering a basketball tournament this week. So instead, we've got this show's locum, Dr. Andrew Ford. <laughs> Greetings, Andrew. How are you? <laughs> Thanks, David. You know, we love cricket and I really enjoy being here and talking with you. Well, it's, it's lovely to have you filling Reds's shoes. And uh, you and I go a long way back, and uh, it's always great to, uh, to to catch up with you. Have you been watching the CPL so far, Andrew, this week? Yeah, I've been watching some of the matches. Uh, the, the attendance has been quite good, and the matches have been of a reasonably high standard as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's got off to a to a good start. Uh, it's been interesting to see some of the things uh, behind the scenes as well. We're going to touch on those uh, uh, shortly. Uh, one of those um, to starters, uh, St Kitts has got the final. Were you pleased with that outcome, Andrew? Well, there's so many you know high quality grounds in the in the region. You know we have to expect that other places can get finals. I guess the only problem will be the the atmosphere and the amount of fans that would be there compared to a Trinidad or a Barbados or even a Guyana. Uh, the last time they were in St Kitts, I'm not sure that they got the result that they wanted. But evidently, hosting the finals has a lot to do with uh, being able to pay to to host the finals. And mm. St Kitts wants to make the investment in their cricket and infrastructure and and evidently, with the difficulties in Trinidad, with the with the economy and foreign exchange, and and similarly with all the islands in the region, I guess uh, no one else was able to come up to the mark. Hmm. So I, I wish them good luck, and I, I hope that they can really create the atmosphere we need for for that part of the the tournament, the crescendo at the end. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um... One of those that hasn't been uh, pleased with uh, that outcome. Not wishing St Kitts any any ill, but good another good friend of yours and mine, uh, Terry Bent, who uh, is the Englishman who runs and writes the uh, Barbados Trident's uh, blog over there in Barbados, and now um, is the generally the the, the the locum for the Mason and Guest Show, in which I used to be the uh, the, the co-host. You're still one of the main panelists, and uh, when Andrew Mason, the host, is elsewhere in the region covering matches, West Indies matches, as the lead radio commentator. Terry sits in the hot seat. Uh, Terry's written this week on his um, Trident's blog, well, about uh, several things, but one of them was about St Kitts getting that final. Um, He just didn't think it was fair that St Kitts should get their second final within four years. The other two, of course, having both been in Trinidad and Tobago. Well, you know, it, it was looking for a long time like Trinidad and Tobago would be hosting the final. And if we think about it, Trinidad has hosted every major final within the region for, for the last few years. So it was just a matter of who else could get it. I, I'd like to see it spread around a little bit, but certainly for television viewing, I'd like finals to be played 
on in areas where we get lots of fans, but also on surfaces that reflect the type of cricket that we're playing. To be fair, I think that the Trinidad surface, even though the matches in the recent tournament have been giving us the scores around 160 and 170 uh, that have been better, usually uh, the surface isn't the type that, that gives us the type of cricket that we want. But mm. we have to be open. The, the negotiations were going on for a long time, and I think it put a big strain on the tournament this year because the uncertainty relating to the final and fixtures and the delay has, has taken some of the energy out of the tournament. But, you know, we have to see what St. Kitts can do. And I think they'd have to to put up a good effort if it isn't what the organizers want. I, I don't think we'll see them again anytime soon. So it's mm. a big test for them. Yeah. One of the very interesting pieces that, that Terry wrote this week, and uh, I will put a, a link up to it on this, uh, this podcast. He said that, uh, I think he was in the most recent show, which I'm... I didn't hear myself of Mason, I guess, that on the line as a guest was the Deputy Prime Minister of St Kitts and Nevis, uh, the Honourable Sean Richards. And he said that uh, Mr Richards was uh, extremely forthcoming in that interview, which was uh, quite uh, quite interesting, quite pleasing, and uh, was quite open of how much the deal cost the, uh, yes. the government there. And he said it was 1.2 US million, and there was... Uh, yes. Other issues within it, he said that, um, well, it was initially believed that the CPL had wanted 4.5 million, this is US dollars, um, and of course the region is in huge debt generally, as, as we know. Um, what was interesting though, that 1.2 million that they've paid is reckoned to be less than half of what they paid two years previously. Yes, well definitely the economies haven't recovered in the way that we would ex have expected, and I'm sure that even uh, Barbados for sure with our 50th independence anniversary you know coming up mm. i think that we would certainly have wanted to have it as a part of of our celebrations but the reality is you know the money is is short and especially for an exchange so a lot of compromises had to be made and i think st kitts came out of the blue they were never in the running it appeared at first and i guess maybe an sos went out to anyone who could come up with with one plus million to, to host the final, and they stepped in. Yeah. I, I confess it is something that does nag away at me. I'm a, continually a little worried with the finances for the future of the the, the CPL. Damien O'Donoghue gave an interview with uh, Crick Info this week, uh, and he said that uh, in each of the years so far, the tournament has been run at a loss, uh, but they're still hoping in the future to... You know, go the other way and they reckon they're going in that direction but with the less money coming in from the regional governments I wonder you know, whether that revenue can be entirely recouped from from the TV this this deal of um, Mr Richards he went on to say that uh, they're getting back something like 20,000 US dollars per game for the rental of the stadium there uh, they've negotiated a further donation towards education and sports from the percentages of gate receipts um, one of the big things as well with the deal was that uh, they were able to get this because they could offer to pay the CPO in US currency rather than uh, Trinidad and Tobago who wanted to do it in local currency it, uh, they've got a very good deal St Kitts and Nevis but it does seem that um, the money is tight yeah the money is really tight but, but at least uh, St Kitts is getting something about 80,000 plus 25% of the gate but it is interesting, the business model for the CPL, and you reflect on the board trying to do their own 20-over um, 
version, which was a lot, was was really, you know, uh, microscopic compared to this one. Mm. But the fact that uh, a private concern has to be in the red and and seek some revenue from governments does show how difficult it is. And I, I guess it really points to the fact that the television rights for the CPL just haven't gone the way that 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 they would have wanted, I guess. Maybe they're not getting enough of the Indian market. That may be the problem. And the matches have started a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure which market they're trying to capitalize on or if that's a part of the TV <laughs> agreement. But until the TV rights earn what it should, they're going to be going back to the governments each time. And, you know, when you look at it now, the $1 million that the that the WICB is getting really is much more than they could have got otherwise. I mean, yeah. we could argue that it was too little, but if, if we tried to do it, we would have been in the, in the red as well. So at least getting something out of the tournament when all of the players and all of the coaches and all the staff gets paid for each of the franchises uh, is, is kind of a master stroke of, <laughs> you know, when we look back on it. Yeah. Uh, even though the deal wasn't as good as we would have liked, I guess it's the the, the extent of the deal. It's I guess it's many years, but after seven years, I get a chance to reflect, and I think if they're still in the red after those seven years, then maybe we'll have to go back to the drawing board again. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're, they're talking in the same interview Damien O'Donoghue gave. He's made it clear once again that they are looking to expand their market. Um, they've taken games to uh, Florida this year. He talks quite openly that they'd like to take games uh, further afield to New York, Toronto, um, and perhaps make it much more of an international tournament. Um, that sounds wonderful in itself, um, but I would agree with Terry that this is a Caribbean tournament and I want it to remain uh, as such. Yeah, definitely that's what we'd want. But again, I think they're looking more at maybe increasing the gate receipts by going to these places. There are lots of expats from from the West Indies and from India, especially in these countries. And if they can tap into the U.S. market uh, television-wise and get some interest, then that would put them over the hump. Uh, I guess they're they're trying, you know, all the avenues possible to, to make this work and to, to stop being running it at a loss. Yeah. Yeah, sticking with the CPL, uh, one thing I just want to clear up. Uh, last week I, I reported uh, that there'd been a report on the Holding Willie website that talked about uh, the Barbados Tridents perhaps being sold uh, by Vijay Malaya to uh, Nita Ambani of Reliance Industries. I asked Terry to check that out and he went off and he had a, an interview uh, last Monday with uh, uh, Dr Malaya's son Sid, uh, um, of course, he's the CEO of the Tridents, and he reported back that uh, this report was absolute rubbish. So I just want to make that uh, that one clear, that uh, Dr. Malau is still firmly in charge of the uh, CPO and will remain so. Um, but just finally, uh, with things that Terry's had to talk about this week, uh, he also wrote a, a, an email about the, uh, the new name and the new kit of the Tridents, Andrew. Um, do you like either of them? Well, the kit... The kit has changed you know over the years i think maybe the kit from last year or the year before we would have liked more but i guess change is something we have to really expect in in cricket and you know once they can get the sponsors on that kit <laughs> it'll make it look <laughs> a lot better <laughs> well, well i think that was one of his uh, uh um 
bugbears is that the name of the trident seemed to be uh, <laughs> less than the name of, uh, of the of their sponsors. He also complained well, about... Well, trident, trident is a word that should remain, but maybe you have to see what the new name would be. But yeah. I, I'm not sure why, why there would be a, na- a need to rebrand uh, it in that way, to change the name, mm. uh, unless it was to 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 you know re- to group to get a lot of support from elsewhere but we'll see what happens yeah well terry terry said that uh, he's going to refuse to call them anything other than the barbados tridents and <laughs> tridents hope of barbados was just not acceptable in uh, in his book um you know uh, I, i'll allow terry to uh, have his opinion on that one i, I share it but uh, i don't, don't want to spend too long on that uh we've recently had the the tri-series uh andrew uh, I don't know whether you managed to go along to the the, the games uh, there at the Kensington Oval. Yeah, I, I went to the to the Oval for the games, and and they were they were interesting games, and you know all the fans enjoyed it. We had good crowds there. I think our, our crowds were better than you know for the other two venues, and in the in the long run, the the West Indies didn't didn't disappoint. We we didn't expect that they would. They would come out victorious, but they mm. certainly, by reaching the final, you know, satisfy the basic requirement for a tri-series tournament, and they they perform better than than we would have expected. And I think all in all, it was positive. We would have moved up in the one-day ranking. So yeah. I have to give the WICB the credit for for arranging that tri-series tournament, considering that we're out of the the 50-over tournament and international next year, hmm. uh, that it has helped us to go up in the rankings. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. It was a, a qualified success for, for the West Indies. Uh, skipper Jason Holder says that the West Indies need to be playing more ODIs. Um, I'm sure we'd agree with him, but is it practical? Well, something has to be done because uh, last season we played less ODIs than, than most of the other top top countries. And by playing so few ODIs, it left us short at the end with what was necessary for us to qualify to be in the top eight for the Champions Trophy. Mm -hmm. And this is an oversight that, you know, squarely Mm -hmm. goes on the WICB. And we still have to play 50 over matches in order to to become good at them, but also to to iron out the kinks in the team. So playing just 30-odd when... People are playing fifty and sixty yards. Certainly isn't on. We have to. We definitely have to play more. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Australian coach for the tournament, Justin Langer, he said that he uh, he was impressed by Austra- uh, by West Indies' young talent, particularly their uh, fast bowling resources. But like yourself earlier, uh, when you were saying about the CPO, he shared that the concerns we all have about the state of the pitches in the region. Yeah, that that is something that hasn't been rectified by the the regional boards and the WACB, something still has to be done with the, with the pitches. And I don't think the players have been as vocal as they should be about that since it's one of the more important aspects of, of their profession. I think uh, the players, understandably, have been looking more at finances than, than the pitches, but I think they are of you know equal importance. Yeah. I was... Uh chatting on Twitter the other day with uh, with someone and, and they said, uh, yeah, what can they do? When are they going to do something about the pitches? And uh, I think all of us agree something needs to be done about the pitches. I'm not sure that everybody quite knows how. I mean, a lot of these pitches uh, have not really been 
relayed or redone in, in perhaps a generation in, in the Caribbean. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not an expert on pitches, but my, my guess is that a lot of them need, and we're not just talking at national level and international level, but even at domestic level, that the money just isn't there to, to rejuvenate them. Well, definitely, uh, it it can be done, you know, without without it being a, a hugely expensive endeavor, because even if we were to think that the know-how doesn't exist in the West Indies, because everyone who knows has already passed on, uh, there are people in other parts of the world who certainly can can help us out, and I am sure that you know, being one of the poor nations of the ICC, I'm sure that. Even with these drop-in pitches, someone will be willing to, mm. to donate a few of them to, to our main uh, venues so that at least at an international level. And, and then the regional uh, teams would benefit that we could have some, some new, new pitches and get some new life into, into our cricket. Because as uh, Langer said, the, the ability to cut and pull and hook, the, these are, are some skills that are diminishing in the in the West Indies, and mm. you know, you even look at our our number three right now, Darren Bravo, and Darren Darren doesn't cut a lot. He certainly doesn't doesn't hook, and you know, most of our top batsmen don't have this skill, and it puts us as a at a big disadvantage when we when we tour, and and these are skills that need to be in our cricket, and you know, if we want these young fast bowlers to develop and to have you know the the desire to to continue to continue to bowl fast then we need to get some some better wickets you look at our our bowlers right now you look at taylor and you look at roach and you know you realize that these guys are really slow and <laughs> they don't have the skills to to do things with the balls a ball to be successful and i think it's time to look for for a new crop of of you know enthusiastic youngsters that that can learn the skills that are necessary to be a Top fast Absolutely. No, I think we all hope that Azalri Joseph is at the uh, vanguard of that. It's interesting what you suggested, though, there, Andrew. It's something perhaps to commend to the uh, WICB that uh, if they're you know, prepared to, to um, ask the ICC, ask their colleagues, how can they contribute to... Because everybody knows that the West Indies, or if they don't know, they should be aware of the terrible challenges that the region has financially at the moment and if the rest of the world wants to see West Indies cricket rise again and beyond just the obvious successes of this year but more long term more more lasting to there are things that can be done to help them and that was a great idea of yours that they can help to uh, supply pitches and uh, skills and things but I was also interested there that you seem to suggest that it's not just neglect but perhaps that that great knowledge that was there in pitch preparation 30 40 years ago hasn't wasn't handed on yes I think that's a big problem because most of the guys that, that did all the really quick pitches you know have have either retired or have passed so I'm not sure the the individuals that are here now uh, have the skills, but also the the older curators used a lot of rollers, but they didn't use mechanized rollers, and that has come into to the game more recently. And and uh, I'm I'm not an expert geological pitch expert, but some people feel that these heavier mechanized rollers have squeezed the life out of some of the surfaces that we have, 
and uh, we have to really look go back to the drawing board where preparation is concerned. Yeah. Even in in the Barbados uh, pitch for the Tri Series, there was one one of the uh, pitches played pretty well, especially from one end. Even though from the other end, they kept a little low sometimes, but the other the other pitch was was kind of you know on the slow side. Mm. Interesting. We shall see. That's uh, not the same square, <laughs> so you well, can understand. Yeah. There's variation even within the square. Yeah. So that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Now things things need to 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 change it. Uh, uh, well, um, in many places, but you're referring there to uh, to Barbados. One thing that is changing in Barbados, or we would expect to change, is uh, who's in charge there. Uh, it still hasn't been announced officially, but it seems to be common knowledge that uh, Joel Garner's going to be the new manager of the the West Indies. Um, does that mean, therefore, that he's bound to stand down from his position? at uh, the Barbados Cricket Association and by implication as well from the board of the uh, West Indies Cricket Board? Well, it doesn't seem that way because those whispers have been going on for a very long time uh, since since uh, Rich, Sir Richie Richardson has, has left. Hmm. So I, I would assume that if that were the case, then some preparation would have been made. But I don't get the impression that the that our local board or, the, or otherwise has been thinking of of a succession plan at the moment, so it seems like he'll be multitasking. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're perhaps speaking out of turn until we know that it's it's official. We we often hear these things, and then find that uh, it's actually something else. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> we'll revisit that one. Well, well, if if there's a conflict, I'm sure that uh, the choices will be made to determine, you know, what's more what's more important. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Uh, we recently had the regional four-day uh, draft squads announced and picked. Andrew, uh, were you uh, happy as a Barbados supporter with uh, the direction they're taking? Well, it's a predominantly Barbadian squad with some some youth from elsewhere. So, I think the core of of the successful group that Barbados has had is is still there. So. Uh, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with where they're going. They, uh, we have so many players that we have to start exporting players <laughs> now. So um, <laughs> that's a good thing because because we don't want we want everybody to have a chance to show what they can do. And you know, I, I think this PCL has been a success of sorts because having to play double the amount of matches and mm. the home and away format, uh, more cricket will help the youngsters to develop a little faster. And I think we'll have some real solutions to our our weak area, which is uh, the test the test area. And you know, we we still have to figure out uh, our resources and and look at possible replacements for the for the older players. Because uh, one thing that we've noticed from the tri series and from the tests and even otherwise is that you know there's a a newer generation that's coming in, and we have to consider that you know. Players like Gale may not be around for much longer, and mm-hmm. and there are others with injuries that that can't take the rigors of the four day game. So we need to unearth the talent that will take us forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a couple of uh, housekeeping things. Uh, just want to respond to uh, an email we got from uh, one of our listeners uh, uh, this week uh, from uh, Horton Dolphin. Uh, he uh, thanked us for how much he enjoys the the show and. And recalled how the goes, 
He goes back with Reds many, many decades, and they share their undying love and passion for the game. Uh, but he just wanted to point out in our last podcast that, uh, uh, and all my fault, I, could, I confess, that, that Reds started talking uh, about the 1963 test in the middle of talking about the 1966 test, uh, both the, the Lord's test between England and West Indies, and confusing the two. Uh, my, my fault there, uh, Horton, because I was asking Reds too many questions at once, but sorry if we um, were, were a little confused there. And he also asked that uh, at some point we uh, do acknowledge the contribution uh, of Steve Buckner as one of the, uh, the, the greats of West Indies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we've... We we are just starting to get uh, one or two people on the on the national grid, but our umpiring was was at a, a zenith with with Butner and a few others. And just like our cricket has has dipped, I think our umpiring has has suffered a similar fate. And I I hope that we can have some some new individuals that would be respected the way that Steve Butner was was respected when he when he played. Oh, absolutely, and. Uh... Uh, one of the, the fine players, but I'm sure uh, uh, Reds will enjoy the opportunity to talk a little more about Buckner at uh, some occasion in the future. Reds and I always enjoy, uh, in the last few minutes, uh, looking back, and as it were, and uh, recalling uh, things from the past. Um, one that has passed this week was uh, the former uh, long-serving Prime Minister of uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Patrick Manning, and uh, the West Indies Cricket Board were among those that... Uh, uh, noticed his passing and uh, gave their condolences. Uh, that was shared as well in Barbados by uh, Mia Motley, who uh, worked with Manning uh, as part of the uh, security processes of the 2007 uh, World Cup. And so, you know, our condolences uh, to those friends and family of uh, uh, Patrick Manning. Uh, but looking ahead, uh, with other anniversaries, Andrew, uh, big, big things being done for in acknowledgement of the upcoming 80th birthday of the legendary Sir Garfield Sobers. Yes, Sir Garfield is, is a Barbadian national hero and an international cricket icon, uh, one of the, the few living legends of the game, one mm. of the big, big legends up there, the best that I've ever played. And that, that match is going to be a fitting uh, event for him. I, I had the pleasure of giving a a one-minute, uh, a tiny appreciation for Sir Garfield. And we have to do this while, while the legends are still alive. You know, we, we've lost a few recently, yeah. as, you, as you mentioned, along with Tony Cozier. And, you know, making that bridge between the past and the present and appreciating what people did before is something that we have to do, you know, be aware of our history and to let people know that, that we love them and care for them. Absolutely. And to, to give them their due. Absolutely, and their place in uh, in our living history. Some of that you refer to the match that's coming up at, uh, uh, I think it's on July the 28th at the Kensington Oval, the 2020 match in celebration of uh, Sir Garfield. And some of the names that uh, are going to be appearing, uh, Sir Kirtley Ambrose, uh, Carl Hooper, uh, Collis King, uh, hero of the 1979 World Cup final, Courtney Walsh, uh, but then guest appearances from the likes of uh, Andrew Flintoff, uh, Ravi Shastri, uh, amongst uh, amongst others, uh, it should be quite an occasion, and yeah. uh, I, I, I regret that I won't be there. Man, I hope you'll be able to watch it either live or, or after. But it's it's a collection of players that reflect the past and and the, the recent past. 
Mm. So it's going to be a good event. Yeah. Well, and it's also uh, this event is part of the overall celebrations there in Barbados of uh, 50 years of uh, independence. Um, so it's a time to be very proud of being Bayesian, isn't it, Andrew? And, um, you know, sobers and the national identity, very, very important. Yeah, a, a small country like ours with a population under 300,000, you know, we've still produced and achieved a lot for such a small place and I guess the important thing is to keep that national pride going and to to understand that we can still make a contribution on the world stage and, mm. and, and still endeavor to do so in the future. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I expect you hope that that, uh, that impact can, can begin with victory in the uh, in this year's Caribbean Premier League. Yeah, definitely. But but the well I guess the the, the the Trident's team is, is looking a bit weaker than, than it was before. Uh, I, I guess we'll, we'll have to really perform well to, to get back to, to the final and, and to have a chance to win. The, the batting looked a bit shaky in that first outing and hmm. we'll have to see how things go uh, later on in the tournament. Well, it's uh, been, been interesting that the early pace setters, uh, perhaps uh, against expectations, have been Guyana. Yes, definitely, and they, you know, they they look good, and we'll have to see how how the tournament uh, develops. You know, last year it seemed as though Trinidad was out of it, and at the last they stormed the thing. So the tournament does have a way to go, and teams have a chance to rebound and to recover and to find form. So I think there's still a lot to play for. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, I'll be trying to catch it, even though it's at terrible times of the day for me. Uh, I can imagine, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Over here in Islamabad, I'll be trying to catch as much as I possibly can, and uh, and clear, obviously we'll be talking about it in the weeks to come, whether it's with you, Andrew, or with uh, Reds. Um, thank you ever so much for uh, spending some time chatting to me uh, this week, Andrew. Yeah, David, keep, keep up uh, the good work, uh, what you're doing. Uh, to keep, you know, what's happening in, in the regional cricket and in world cricket is is an important endeavor, and I hope you'll continue and you know keep pressing on. <laughs> Andrew, that's a very kind thing to say. Uh, the check is in the post. Um, <laughs> sadly, the post from Islamabad to Bridgetown is not quite as reliable, but uh, as it might be. But uh, <laughs> no, many many thanks. This has been the Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast with me, David Orham, and our locum, Dr Andrew Ford. And I hope you can join me again with Andrew or with Reds again sometime soon. Goodbye.